pre-reading activities are really crucial in bringing the class together on the same page. Maybe you're transitioning from a class or you want them to be thinking the same idea about the same idea. And so it's very crucial that you have the pre-reading activity. Additionally, I think it also uh, builds on the, the student's schemata or the um, cognitive framework that interprets and, and also organizes the information. And so when you give them the idea of, uh, for example, yellow, they might think about, one student might be thinking a yellow dress, one student might be thinking uh, the sun or something bright or a yellow crayon. So you need to bring them together with the idea of what you're wanting to talk about yellow, and it may be being yellowed with age, that yellow can also be a process. So that's another example. I also think that pre-reading activities are important to build anticipation for the reading. And so you motivate them by putting that icing on the cake and tantalizing them with that first bite of cake when you have the pre-reading activities. So the kinds of pre-reading activities I do, I think in four components. I think about vocabulary, and that's really crucial to a pre-reading activity. They need to understand the words. They won't be able to comprehend if they don't understand the definition. What do we mean by that term, keep of the castle? Jo uh, Joel. Well, isn't there a castle wall and then there's a keep for the king or whatever? Exactly. So a keep is the fortified place, or maybe often it's the tower or the, the strongest place in the castle, and it's the last thing the enemy can destroy. So the keep of the castle is a very special place. They also need to have the ability to um, brainstorm ideas, and so I often use brainstorming activities to help them comprehend what they're going to be thinking about in relation to the, the theme or the uh, idea of the story. And brainstorming is a very quick activity. You might throw out a question or an idea and they give rapid ideas in succession, either written or orally. And now as you're getting older, you're going to have lots of new experiences and you've had lots of new experiences, but what are some things on the horizon for you that are new experiences? <coughs> Can you think of a few? Hmm. Well, sixth grade, you have something coming up before too long. Trevor? Oh, we're going to go into uh, junior high and go, come out of elementary. Okay, you're leaving elementary, going into junior high. Um, what are some other new experiences that you'll have? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe the field trip a field trip that you've never been on before. And so we're anticipating what? The end of the year. Carnegie Center. Oh, that sounds like fun. For some of you, how many have been there at the Carnegie Center? Just a few of you. You're in for a learning experience. Um, do you ever learn a new poem or song? We learn some new things at, at, uh, at the program. How many have tried a new food recently? Well, I didn't really like Taco Bell ever, but then I ate some of my sister Amy's chicken quesadilla, and now I don't really like that. And now you're hooked on it. I also like using hooks. Why do you say hooks? And this can vary a lot as well. Uh, it might be giving a quality question that has no answer, 
but it gets them thinking. Or it might be a short story that I give to them of my personal life. And soon they are sharing their stories, but that also gives them the, gives them the ability to connect with the story and the characters in the story. Or I might do a picture prompt, maybe right within the text, or I might bring in the picture and we talk about what might go along with that story or what might uh, enhance the story by understanding this picture. Sometimes I just touch on the title and we expand our ideas about and predict what might be happening in the story according to the title. And sometimes we also, uh, I produce a, a prop of some kind, maybe bring in a hat or a scarf or some food and we discuss that briefly in relation to the story. Now, uh, let me tell you a, just a short story. Many years ago, when I was about your age, I got the wonderful privilege to go to Canada because my aunt and uncle lived up there. When we have new experiences, what do we sometimes feel? Aha, uh -huh, Mary Jane. Excited? Yeah, sometimes we're just excited, especially if we're going to Carnegie Center, right? Maybe sometimes a little scared. Ah, uh -huh. we're a little scared or nervous. You're right. Today in our story, Robin is going to meet up with a new experience. And he will enter the Lindsay Castle as a page and meet people whom he will work for. And in turn, they will take care of him. So I use that as well. And the fourth thing that I use uh, uh, at times is a graphic organizer. And what I mean by that is uh, there are various kinds. We have, uh, you have the KWL chart where our, you have the three columns and they bring what they know. We write on that, uh, the, the first column is the K, the K column and we bring what they know about the subject. And then we think about what they want to learn and we write that in the middle column and then what they have learned, it's the third column is a post reading activity where they write down what they've learned after reading the story. I also use a bubble map, or some people call them a web, and I often use that with characters to further study a character. I use Venn diagrams, and I put the Venn diagram uh, up to compare um, either characters or maybe a place or an era of time, and we compare and contrast. So uh, these are very helpful in helping the child prepare for the reading experience so that as they're going into that, that reading experience, they're able to uh, fully engage with the story. I might just make a, uh, a differentiation with story narratives. When I work with story narratives, I think that um, it's really crucial, never eliminate, it's very crucial to use vocabulary as, as part of your pre-reading activity. Uh, never think you don't have time for it because they really do need to have an under, understanding and, and it helps them comprehend the story if, if they work with vocabulary. And I also think that um, probably I tend to work with, with what I call the hooks and I use those activities because they seem to uh, lend itself very well into, into uh, story narratives. When I do content reading, I tend to work strongly with vocabulary, but I also use a lot, I use, tend to use graphic organizers a bit more. So when I actually re, have a reading class, I find that the, the hooks and the vocabulary are things I return to time and time again.
Ideally, you could spend 15 minutes with the pre-reading activity, uh, probably 20 minutes in the re- 15 to 20 minutes in the reading, and then another 20 minutes uh, following the reading. But I understand in our small schools, this is not possible. So I spend anywhere between five to 10 minutes. Uh, we try to get our reading done uh, in, in 15 minutes. And then following that reading time, I give them seat work and they just fill in the, or, or sometimes we have some reading activities that, that lend to discussion afterward. So maybe another 10 minutes. So that probably adds up to about 35, 40 minutes for a reading class. I might just mention that pre-reading activities are not a waste of time. <laughs> and we tend, we tend to err on that as teachers. We, we give a lot of attention to the reading text. We give a lot of attention to post-reading activities. We always have these questions and comprehension activities that we want them to do. But we often fail in the pre-reading strategies. So I want to say that pre-reading strategies are not a waste of time. In fact, you're giving your, your student a key to open the door to more comprehension. For more free resources that support teaching and learning, visit the docforlearning.org.